We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show as we go live on this Thursday night. Welcome to PT Pinecast, a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories in the world of physical therapy. That's PT Pinecast. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Welcome to ours. I'm Jimmy McKay, broadcasting live from the Arius Medical Studios. Also known as, it's pretty much just my living room, guys. That's what we're doing. We're living in our living rooms, living and working in our living rooms. Uh, RS leader in hashtag travel physical therapy. See where your PT or PTA career can take you geographically all over the 50 U.S. states. Uh, A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. That website, one more time. A-U-R-E-U-S-Medical.com. Uh, great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking telehealth. I feel like it was just 10 years ago at CSM in Denver. Oh, wait, no, that was just a couple months ago. Although it does, in fact, feel several years ago. Uh, the conversation was about telehealth. And a lot of people, I feel like the overwhelming sentiment was, that's really nice. We'll get to that in 5 to 10. No real major adoption. Don't worry about it. We'll get there in 5 to 10 years. Things have changed. That's all I'm going to say. And we're going to dig in with a couple of different experts tonight into all aspects of telehealth, the history, the future, and the now, how it affects you. How could it be helping you and affecting you? The best practices, the research. You want it all? We're going to do it one episode. Are you guys ready for this? Good. If you're uh, watching live, drop, drop a comment below and just let us know live and where you are geographically. I'm always stunned about where this show actually gets to when it spreads on the interwebs. If you're watching the replay, drop replay and where you're from. We love saying hi to everybody who's watching the show live. And if you have questions or comments, don't feel, don't feel, need to hold back raising, ask those questions, ask those comments, or make those comments. We'll see if we can get to some of those at the end of the show. Now that we've done all the housekeeping, we got that out of the way, let's get to the program. You ready? Here we go. Uh, bring out four experts in telehealth physical therapy. Let's bring them in here from around the country and around the world. On the show, we've got Alan Link, we've got Trevor Ruff, we've got Chris, we've got Mike. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. It feels like very fitting that we do a telehealth episode. And for the last few months, we've been live streaming these broadcasts. And I think somebody made the comment just before we went on. Hey, I think Trevor said it. Hey, you've, got, you've gone to the, uh, the video thing. And we've become so used to it, really, a lot of us. Uh, either in our clinical practice or whether it's, you know, family and friends and the first beloved and then dreaded Zoom happy hour, which we stare at each other and try to make small talk as we all stare at each other and uh, figure out how we could end this conversation. But uh, telehealth was a conversation uh, that we were having at CSM not long ago. Alan, you and I were there as part of a, a, a pretty big event really at the intersection of where we are now. I don't think we saw this one coming, and I'm referring to the event at CSM in Denver of Technopalooza. Talk, talk for just a second about what Technopalooza is, because we'll, we'll talk Technopalooza past and also future, because that's coming up at virtual CSM. Who saw that coming? Uh, but if someone doesn't know what Technopalooza is, what is it? Why should they be paying attention to it, especially this year? Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for inviting all of us. These are dear friends of mine, colleagues, and it's just really nice to see everybody really safe and well and, and letting us be with you tonight. Uh, Technopalooza really is where clinicians get to really put their hands and feel the technologies that they could use in the clinics. 
to improve the human experience. So the virtual Technopalooza in 2021 will feature many of these uh, areas of innovation and technology for physical therapy profession. Perfect. Well said. All right. So you said these uh, these these guys we have on the show here today uh, are friends and colleagues of yours. Since you were the guy who really was, you know, some of the, one of the first people I came across to to hear and speak about telehealth. Why don't you go around the horn and introduce everybody? Just let let the audience know who they are, and then we'll we'll dig it. We'll come back to you and go to the history of telehealth. Right. Uh, let me just start with bottom screen, which would be Mike Billings, which I've known Mike since physical therapy school at Duke University. So Mike is very dear to me in terms of just our long-term relationship, uh, including his family. By the way, the first Thanksgiving I had when I was a PT student was with Mike and his wife. So I, again, thank you so much for letting us kind of invade your home during uh, PT school. And I think the next person I'd like to to is the person you see next to Mike in my screen, which is Chris Peterson. Chris really reached out to APTA and put us together in terms of looking at a telehealth toolkit, uh, which was uh, developed way early on for the PT profession. So Chris, myself, and, and Katie, um, we kind of really worked together in terms of health systems and the military and physical therapy profession in terms of developing a toolkit for telehealth, which included really reading the literature from Trevor, Dr. Trevor Russell here on my right or on your screen, I'm not sure where he is, but he's from, he's down under. Uh, and, you know, we were reading these early, early seminal research on tele-rehab. And Trevor and I met at the American Telemedicine Association conference where uh, he was leading some efforts uh, in terms of tele-rehab at the tele-rehab SIG. And so, I mean, I'm honored to be here with everyone. And uh, Alan, don't don't be shy. You're you're a professor uh, out west at uh, at Mount St. Mary's University. Uh, been been teaching for a long time. You got degrees from you know Duke and San Diego State, Creighton, Nova Southeastern. What what other things do you get into besides teaching? Oh, that's very good, Jimmy. Well, I like to say I like to kind of hang out with these guys, and sometimes like these virtual hours. Sometimes you know we might be drinking one of these, yeah. or sometimes we might be drinking one of these. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. it depends. But yeah, thanks, Jimmy. But uh, what I what I really like to do is really, you know, think about like professionally, but also visually, like maybe after hours, I'm really digging down deeper into uh, I would say where our physical therapy profession needs to go and are going because of COVID and and the pandemic is we just jumped into Zoom and we jumped into yeah. tele rehab. But there are some safeguards we need to think about. And I think these experts will share those expertise with you tonight. I love it. All right. Well, first question we ask is always the hardest. Uh, what are we drinking? We know Alan's got a Corona there. He showed it. Anybody else have a, have a drink for this evening? We always like to, to, to taste some local, local flavor, wherever local that means to you. Who's got something they want to share? Sure. Uh, I've got a, in my Duke mug, um, we've got a, a frame, uh, AZ, AZ IPA from Hood River, Oregon. Perfect. I like that. Who else? I've got a glass of uh, white wine from Truro Vineyards, the Cape. Well done. And from down under, Trevor, what do you got? So, Jimmy, um, I, I hate to say this, but it's it's not quite midday here. So I'm, I'm drinking coffee. But um, right. look, it, it, it may not only contain coffee. Let's just leave it at that. Eh? <laughs> Cannot confirm nor, nor deny. <laughs> exactly. Right. There we go. We were scheduled to have this episode yesterday, so I want to say thanks uh, for you guys pushing it today. It was my birthday yesterday, 
And uh, my mom threw me a birthday dinner. Best friend, thanks. Best friend got me a a, a nice bottle of uh, of bourbon. So I'm having an old fashioned. Cheers! Uh, so cheers to you guys. First of all, for taking some time out and sharing the information that we're going to get into tonight. The first round is brought to you by Owens Recovery Science. They're a single source for PTs looking for uh, certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply it properly in clinical practice. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com and they have their own podcast, the Owens Recovery Science Podcast on iTunes. Uh, So, Alan, you you talked a little bit about getting people together and starting to figure out what this thing would be years ago. So talk about the the history of telehealth. Where did it first emerge? We'll stay specifically in physical therapy. And so when did it show up? What did it look like? And who were the initial leaders in this thing called telehealth and physical therapy? Sure, Jimmy. Um, I mean, I, I must first say, Jimmy, my wife's birthday was yesterday. So I knew I liked you from the start. And there's a reason why we're kindred hearts here but uh jimmy's question of the history of telehealth and physical therapy uh, i would say i really read early research but also the apta president jan richardson at the time talked about telemedicine and physical therapy professionals collaborating together in one of our presidential uh, speeches back in early 2000s now if you look back 20 30 years ago we really didn't have the technology for us to really do these live sessions like we're doing now so you have to kind of dial it back to looking at like potential cardiac and pulmonary monitoring with EKGs and remotely kind of looking at some case reports by Dr. Don Shaw, uh, who was doing some early work in telehealth physical therapy. So that was a while ago, back in the early, like uh, late 1990s, as well as early 2000s. But as you can see, I mean, we just quickly pivoted with COVID and uh, tele-rehab and telehealth overall in telemedicine. But yet the evidence that has been building, and I've read early research out of Dr. Trevor Russell's research lab, and I think Dr. Russell will talk more about research, but over the years, as the technology improved, clinicians got into the practice, but also developing not only practice, but research as well as education. So we're looking at what? Uh, more like bandwidth? I mean, before there was this technology, you weren't able to see. I mean, we're, we're kind of used to this right now, for, for better or for worse, being able to FaceTime someone. Uh, you know, if it's that annoying relative who just wants to keep talking in inopportune moments. We're, we're sort of now in a space where we could be seeing and hearing people at the drop of a hat. That's because of the technology that we hold, but also the bandwidth. So the infrastructure that actually connects us. So these things are progressing at light speed. Things have changed today because we we have these apps. And of course, Alan, we've talked uh, before, yes, that we have them, but they've got to have certain things. Now we're, we're, we're talking about HIPAA compliance and we're talking about information that needs to be made secure. But what what was what were some mistakes that we learned quickly adding telehealth to practice? Any things that you know we learned early on that we can take lessons from still? Sure, let's kind of, pivot to COVID first, and then we'll go back. But okay. I'm reading some reports where there are some like adverse events while we quickly uptook in terms of tele-rehab, such as falls potentially in patients. I mean, it can happen in-person visits as well, but people are writing reports with telehealth sessions, but also there are some adverse outcomes such as falls, as we always worried about. So it can happen, but we would think about how do you mitigate after a fall? We also are noticing that some patients may have history of adverse outcomes or even history of 
adverse events such as seizures. So we've also are hearing some antidotal evidence on patients who may have these potential issues could also have it during a tele-L session. So those are things to think about. Read your charts very thoroughly, know your patient's history very well, know how to do those interview skills very well to mitigate some of those potential risks and adverse outcomes. So now I'm not here to scare you, but they're really, really positive outcomes as well. So we wanna think about you know, the access, the patient satisfaction, the cost that was reduced because of telehealth. Those are those other areas as well as engagement to kind of follow with uh, compliance of home exercise program and just interacting with clients with verbal, nonverbal skills. Those key skill sets that we develop in PT programs does translate well early on as well. So I think the technology really has helped us, but we have to be mindful of how to mitigate all those risks in patients as we see via telehealth as well as in person. Yeah, if we learned anything from the movie Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So yes, you have this technology dropped in your lap. You other things will pop up that weren't there before. We had another physio from down under, David Petrino, on the show uh, a few months ago. And Trevor, that's how you and I uh, first connected. David showed a great use of technology early in COVID using a simple app as a screening tool to keep people out of waiting rooms in New York, in New York City hospitals and put physios back to work monitoring those yes or no questions using a, a simple de decision tree. So these things, can, if, you, if, you think, if you think what you, what you need to get out of them, they can kind of display the answer. The answer really just pops, it pops up. If you're open-minded enough to pay attention to what this technology can do, the answers can be amazing. So let's go to Chris. Uh, telehealth brings value to physical therapy. How? If there's a clinician out there saying, listen, I, I, I've heard about this thing. Colleagues have been using it. I don't know where to go to get the good information. What value does telehealth bring to physical therapy and how do we implement it? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think that um, first we have to decide what telehealth is, right? And that's evolving. I mean, I think to Alan's point, if we start in the COVID world, which is where telehealth has really exploded, we're talking about video visits, but then back to the example that we just gave about the other physio that was using an app to just do screening. There's, there's lots of different examples of utilizing and leveraging technology in practice, right? So I think the value is exponential. I think we're just scratching the surface. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed anecdotally is that therapists seem to be more reticent when you look at experience surveys than the patients are. Patients are loving this. If you think about how we interact with the world, I mean, we're maybe not now, but we're booking hotels online, we're booking flights, we're doing all those things online, right? And healthcare is just the next progression of that, right? But therapists, I think, at least in the United States, which is my context, are trained to that, that it's hands-on care, right? And in my mind, we shouldn't think that um, black and white. I think there's a real opportunity for a hybrid model. And the future is going to be about who's it right for and when. Yeah, you bring up the things that we're used to, booking hotels, talking to your grandmother at the last minute. These are the things we're just plain old used to. So I, th I think as you say that, I, I, sort, I mean, I agree. This is what I've heard. I've heard a lot of 
clinician push pushback or profession pushback and saying, oh, it's not possible. He's here are all the things that you that you don't get with it. When as clinicians, we're, we're really taught to focus on what you can do and not what you can't do. Right. And whenever you hear whenever I heard, especially at CSM this last December, a lot of people talking about telehealth. It really was one of the buzz topics. When I hear a lot of people really raging hard of how something will never happen. That's usually when I would tell people to buy stock in something. That's usually when it says that, listen, you've got this great opportunity. You're increasing access. You're giving people more value, right? You're talking about supplementing care. Does it have to be 100%? No. Could it be a hybridization? Yes, it could be. Um, whenever people are railing that much, I mean, this just brings me back to like Napster versus Metallica um, and, and fighting this. Like you don't fight technology. You can't legislate or fight technology. You either embrace it or you get run over by it. Metallica was a pretty good example of that with, uh, with Napster. Um, so now we're talking about valued physical therapy, increased access. We're implementing it in a bunch of different ways. You're talking about what does it look like? It could look like a lot of different things. But what do you consider of a telehealth toolkit? If someone's getting started, what are the bare bones, right? What are the things that you definitely need to have and need to be paying attention to with telehealth, Chris? Well, well, again, I, I would look to your you know, national organizations for guidance on that. I mean, in the United States um, and Europe and um, Australia and New Zealand, I mean, all of those major countries have guidance on telehealth now. Um, <clears throat> the American Telemedicine Association obviously has a number of toolkits that they've been developing for years that can be utilized. The APTA has resources for that. But I would just say the same thing that I started with, and that is this is going to be an ongoing evolution, right? So it's going to keep changing and evolving, and it's important to keep checking on these resources over time. So my next question was going to be, how do we make, how do we make tele, telehealth uh, mainstream in physical therapy? Is it just going to happen? Simply what you alluded to, which is if if people are demanding it, and if clinicians, some clinicians are doing it, some aren't. The ones that are, are going to be missing out. Is that is that really what, how to do it? Is I mean, the way to make it mainstream, be really good at it, and then you can't be ignored. Yeah. So the way that I think about that is, you know, what's the tipping point going to be? And I'm not really sure. I, I think where we are right now, at least in my own experience, is that. Therapists are needing a lot of um, support to jump in and really try this in a widespread way, right? So at some point, that will tip. And I think we're going to see a lot of adoption. And, you know, Alan has talked about this for years, but I think having um, this embedded into our education is really, really key. Right. And that's really the foundational starting point. And uh, Trevor's talked about that as well. Any any platforms question from the audience right now? Any platforms you'd recommend if you if you if you if you were saying, hey, a clinic was going to start using this, they're, they're, they're nodding along right now as they listen or watch. You. Any platforms that are out there that are, are becoming sort of the best practice, the gold standard, any you'd, you'd recommend? So uh, I really don't think about it in terms of platforms. I, I think, you know, the first question is, what is it that you're wanting to do? Is it a video visit? Is it an asynchronous encounter? Is it gamification? Is it something else? And with what patient population? And back to Alan's point, 
I think once you have that set of questions, you need to really look at the quality and the safety of what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great answer. Um, research. That's something that whenever something new comes along, especially in our profession, and our profession is guilty of a lot of times, you know, looking at the shiny objects. Um, but it looks like this is a this is an extension of our care, this extension of clinical reasoning, our eyes and our ears. So, Trevor, in terms of research, when that question comes up, what is, what's the current research say about PTs using telehealth? Um, what's out there right now? What do what do we know? So, so there's actually a quite a lot of research and, you know, Alan talked a little bit about the history here. So as a profession, we've been researching this area for, for 20 plus years now. And sure, we were we were a bit slow to get started with respect to other areas of, uh, of medicine, perhaps. But there is really good research evidence out there now. There's randomized controlled trials. There's non-inferiority trials where we've shown that the clinical outcomes that you can achieve when you deliver care via telehealth are equivalent. Um, to, you know, the conventional in-person way of doing things. We've also got systematic reviews then that have reviewed all of these randomised controlled trials and, and come up with, um, with uh, evidence statements around the, the evidence for clinical outcomes. And, and almost without failure, those systematic reviews and RCTs are showing that you can achieve outcomes which are equivalent to in-person care. Now, of course, that's not in every every population that we see as PTs, but it is in a large cross-section of areas from musculoskeletal, cardiorespiratory, um, neurology, and so forth. So the, there is really good evidence out there. I think that the problem is, though, we have this really good evidence in controlled trials, but that evidence isn't being translated to practice or implemented because telehealth is a complex intervention it's not as simple as turning on the video and doing the things that you normally do because the things that you normally do of course involve your hands and 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 it is a different way of practicing so i think um like chris was saying before i think in in covid you know people were forced to do this they were forced to do it quickly but they weren't they didn't have the the skill set or the practice in how to deliver care differently via this medium so you know if you're used to putting on your hands to and doing a specific orthopedic test for, for diagnostics, how do you do that over video when you when you don't have hands? And people need both the training and the experience to say, you know what, with this platform, I have measurement capability. So if someone could apply a, an anterior force on the limb here, I could measure the translation in terms of millimeters and, and that would give me a good surrogate for that orthopedic test. But that doesn't come intuitive, you know, without training and without... Um, practice in using these platforms. So so I think there's there's really good evidence out there that the challenge that we face is how to provide the necessary level of training and experience to people so that they're comfortable to embrace these technologies. Because unfortunately, the experience in COVID has been that people have started to implement, they've found it hard, and a, and a lot of people are pulling back from it. Yeah, they're just getting started, right? So a lot of people jumped into this in March, April, May, are still jumping into this now. I just gave a presentation at the uh, the New England Regional Conference, which was virtual, which every other year has been in person. And mine was on the 12 commandments of communication. And that having a conversation is something we've done our whole lives. But when you do it, and mine was really focused on, on person to person, it could be applied anywhere, but also person to groups or, you know, mass communication with these different devices that you might not be used to. So, have, you know, Trevor, if you and I were talking in person, we'd do a lot of things similarly if we were going to, if we were broadcasting, Absolutely. but there's some other things that you need to do. 
And one of those things is just plain old getting used to the tools that you're using. We know this in physical therapy. You need repetitions to get used, used to doing this new task. That should not come as a shock. And a lot of people um, in academics and clinical practice had just jumped in and assumed, well, I have a virtual event or I have, a, I have, I have an import, uh, excuse me, an in-person event or an in-person course. I'll just turn a camera on and it'll translate. And it doesn't. And we know that as I kind of alluded to and poked fun at the Zoom happy hour, that's not the same as a happy hour. And there's a lot of things that you're missing in terms of nonverbal communication and power of verbal communication. Like, you know, if, if the group of us five guys was were in a room, we wouldn't all be sitting here squared up 90 degrees looking at each other, right? We'd be, we'd be kind of sitting around. We'd be, we'd be making eye contact and moving. We'd probably at some point break off into two different conversations and eventually come back. Those things might seem subtle, but when you multiply those by a lot, as Trevor's saying, in great controlled trials, you can see re you can see accuracy. But when you expound that, you have no idea what someone is doing, what their version is, Chris alluded to, what's telehealth, what is telehealth, what their version is. So maybe the outcomes are different. You also alluded to yeah. uh, you know different patient populations. Listen, this is this is an extension. This is an a type of a way to extend a physical therapist. This will not be as good for all of them, all, all, you know, all different patient populations as it might be for some. So that's that's great insight. Um, you know, best practices. You know, you mentioned repetition. Anything else people should should key on or focus on when they're when they're waiting slowly and starting to get their 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 legs under them in telehealth. Anything else yeah. you missed? Well, what I'd say is. Um embrace what is the same so if you look at what a pt does we're very good educators we're very good at teaching exercise we're very good at you know self-management strategies those sorts of things so first of all focus on what is the same because there's some of the things are the same communication via video is is subtly different but it's not that different you can still educate someone so focus in on what is the same and get those bits right and then I think it's looking at where the differences are. Like you said, there is subtle differences. You, you need time to think about how you are going to approach something differently when you don't have your hands. So it's, it's spending some time thinking about strategies for doing that. And what I encourage our students to do, because we have a, a curriculum in this now uh, in our PT programs here in Australia, is we focus in breaking down the consultation into the objectives and then thinking about each individual objective and how you will achieve that via technology. What strategy are you going to use to deliver what you would normally do hands-on uh, via technology and break down step by step so that you you've got this plan in mind before you hit the consultation in how you're going to achieve those things so those two points focus on what's the same spend time figuring out how you're going to do the stuff that isn't and i think if you do that and you and you match that with the right technologies you can get you know terrific outcomes with your patients and I don't know if I want to be taking a practical exam uh, at Trevor's school because I could see him. Hey, you're going to do a knee evaluation, and halfway through, and by the way, uh, I'm going to throw this curveball. The camera goes out. How do you how do you explain it? But you should be prepared, right? I mean, I was always taught, you know, be prepared for everything to just go sideways. You know, in a, in an interview or a consultation, right. things can go completely. Fine. So make whatever plan you want. That's going to probably go out the window at some point during your day. Um, yeah, we do talk about plan B's and plan C's. <laughs> gotta have those things, right? Gotta and you know, if you're if you're a little anxious or you're nervous about the technology, the person on the other end will pick up on that. They'll just know yeah. this person's not 100 percent comfortable. So get as many reps with colleagues or family members and utilizing this. Go through some of those practice, you know, like we used to do in lab and PT school. Practice those things so it comes out smooth. Um, in terms of gamification, we've done episodes on this, and I, I mean, this is always fun. Whenever someone can make something a game or fun, 
how can we how can we gamify rehabilitation using telehealth? There's some ways we can do that. Yeah, I might um, I might jump in, but others please um, jump in as well if you like. I mean, there, there's a lot that can be done in gamification. I think uh, telehealth is is done really well when it's done with with a hybrid approach. I think so. You know, some in person some video calls but then you've got to fill in those gaps between the video calls and you know we've got the t the tools and the technologies now where we don't have to draw stick figures on paper and send send that home for the home program anymore we can get them to to use you know online apps and programs that will demonstrate the uh, the the exercises and so forth and monitor their compliance and all of that but we can go beyond that and we can then start to gamify that rehab so we've got some projects down here where we've taken the sorts of things that people are supposed to be doing in their home program as inputs into a game environment, which gives them currency in the game environment so they can buy digital assets and they can create a village and do all of this sort of fun stuff. And when you do that within certain population groups, so if you take a group of people with heart failure and they're all going through a similar thing and you split them into teams and they can start you know, interacting with each other in these game environments, that is fantastic for encouraging engagement and compliance with home programs. And there's more and more opportunities, um, you know, from a technology perspective out there that we can leverage to gamify what we want people to do in their home environment. And that's ultimately, I think, what gamification is about. It's engagement and it's, it's increasing compliance, ultimately increasing the dose of rehab uh, and therefore getting better outcomes. Yeah, if you've if you've taken a look at the social dilemma that that that, that new special on Netflix, you've seen how it, the social media apps, these things are they're paying attention to our human brains and what we have a need for, and all of a sudden we we need these doses of serotonin. Um, if you can sort of gamify, I mean, I can see Trevor talking about farming. Of course, yeah, but we'll just milk a cow or something, and you get some points out of that, and you can build a new barn. But if you gamify and you give their meaning to it, whether that's chasing a ball or you know getting points in a game. It makes things more meaningful. We always know if you have, if you have that if you focus on that why that meaning, things typically get done a little bit more. Uh, bring a mic in the conversation. Large organization. What does telehealth? What could telehealth look like in a large organization right now? As we're in, in COVID nineteen, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of adoption is going on a large scale. What's that look like? Yeah, yeah, good question, Jimmy. Um, you know, we're uh, we're an inpatient organization, so trying to trying to adapt the telehealth technology to uh, congregate housing and in, inpatient inpatient rehab uh, post-acute uh, is is a unique challenge uh, and we've been we've been doing this for about 12 years uh, and in the name of, of just higher quality of care you know using telesupervision you know from, from uh, a remote PT to an on-site uh, physical therapist assistant in rural areas that had access problems. Um, so before before we knew to call it telehealth, um, you know, we were dab dabbling in this for many years. But with COVID, um, that opened up uh, for everybody a, a new opportunity. And we had, you know, just like everybody, we had an option of, you know, do you open the floodgates and just let it rip, right? And fire up a Zoom or Skype or whatever and, and just let everybody have at it. Uh, we chose an opposite response. We we took a very measured approach in our in our organization. So uh, identifying uh, clinicians that were um, open to the technology, as as my co-panelists have mentioned, uh, not every not every therapist is is willing to adopt this this uh, form of practice. 
Uh, we so uh, we developed a really detailed training program. Uh, went through several hours of, of training and practice with clinicians uh, before they ever conducted a virtual visit. Uh, and so, uh, and then we, you know, we've learned on, along the way. You know, I appreciate colleagues like uh, Trevor and and Alan who are other doing the research. You know, that that's tremendously helpful and and providing great guidance. Um, unfortunately, there we don't have research on every, you know, potential situation. You know, that that we're going to encounter, especially in our our inpatient setting. So we kind of had to learn uh, along along the way um, in terms of what types of situations, what types of you know, patients are, are, are most appropriate, when, you know, when do you use it, when do you not use it? And, um, and, and like, like Trevor was saying, you know, ultimately we're gonna land on a, a, a hybrid uh, approach and that's, and that's what we've, we've discovered. But I'll tell you, without it, uh, you know, especially in COVID, uh, you're talking about either some therapy or none. Right. Uh, you know, when even in an inpatient set, we were do, we've been doing telehealth, even though both the patient and the uh, treating physical therapist are on the same in the same physical structure, same building, right? But you've got maybe one unit that's locked down in in isolation, and so you're remoting in from just down the hall. Um, but uh, it's really it's really meant uh, it's really meant access or no access uh, to, to need physical therapy in, in, in this situation. Mike, you mentioned taking a, a more measured approach, which is probably a good idea, right? Um, any, any big lesson learns, uh, things taken away that uh, you learned with your response? Yeah, yeah, I, I got a long list of those. But, um, you know, probably it's, it's more than just turning on a video. Uh, yeah. As Trevor said, it's, it's far more far more complicated. And I, I would say the the biggest factor for us, whether telehealth is gonna work or not, in our situation, uh, in an inpatient situation, is the presenter uh, with the patient on the other end. You know, Trevor was talking about, you know, yeah, you don't, you're not using your hands, but in our case, you can't have a surrogate pair of hands, right? In a in a in a presenter. And the presenter doesn't doesn't it can be a family member, it can be um, you know, in our case, we've actually used, you know, other disciplines like an occupational therapy assistant, physical therapist assistant, a, a tech, a, yeah, a family member, a spouse. Um, and so it, I think what, what kind of turns, not turns off, but, you know, makes, makes some clinicians uh, maybe not want to do this is that it, it's extra work. You know, you're, you know, now you got, you got the technology medium to figure out. Now I've got to work through this presenter and, and do I, do I train them on how to be my hands? Do I, you know, um, and so there's there's a lot more effort that that goes that goes into it. And clinicians are typically, you know, they're they're being measured on their efficiency, and you know, I got a busy schedule, and now to to add a couple layers of, of, of energy and and effort uh, can be eternal. Yeah, the energy thing, right? Um, you know, I, I've often said, I don't think it'll ever happen, but uh, a prerequisite for PT school should be uh, food service or retail. You should have to do one of those two because you have to do a lot of what just Mike was talking about, which is think through problems before they happen or think on the fly and adapt and do it with a smile on your face because you, 
the other person is receiving a service, receiving your care, and you've got to make sure that that interaction is positive. But while you're doing that, you are burning a ton of calories with your brain, right? My dad, probably not watching this show right now because sometimes he has problems with technology. So I have to walk through technical problems with my dad, but I actually can't see what he's looking at, right? Because he's looking at his phone. So I have to be very affable with my father. God bless him and think, but that, that does burn a ton of calories. But really all I'm doing is talking and thinking about something, but you're not because you're thinking about what's happening now in the future. And we are very used to that as clinicians and doing that in a certain way, right? In the way we've did that six months ago, only in one way. And now we need to be more adaptable. What Trevor was talking about is being able to do that. Okay. If this is taken away, what do you do? You still need to get this across or measure this an input or an output. How do you do that? If you have some, if you have physical space taken away. So it's a lot. I mean, we even talked about Zoom fatigue, right? Putting on that smile yeah. when colleagues are looking at you for an hour-long meeting. I mean, your face hurts when you're done with that. Um, so these are real things that we need to pay attention to. And they might seem minor, but if you're doing this for 40 hours a week, that will wear on you. And then that wears on your care as well. Um, we started with Alan and the history of the past. Mike, we'll, we'll do this. We'll start with you, but we'll go around the horn in terms of like predictions of the future of telehealth things that you think will pop up. Uh, so when I say future telehealth, what's something we might not see right now that's probably going to pop up anytime in the future, short-term future, long-term future. What do you think, Mike? Oh, boy. Crystal ball, huh? Um, Pressure. Well, we've, obviously, with, with COVID, uh, in my opinion, uh, we're not going to see a continuation of this, this massive spike. So uh, we're going we're to we're already seeing a level, leveling off of, of telehealth. It won't go to pre-COVID levels which was nearly zero um but it's gonna it's definitely gonna gonna level off uh, to some degree and you know you, one thing you always you can always do is kind of follow the money right so if you look at venture capital in the first quarter of 2020 nearly a billion dollars was invested in in telehealth companies and that's that's three times uh same quarter of, of last year so there is a lot of a lot of investment interest in, in telehealth and, and so and that's both on the provider side and, and technology. So if you kind of follow follow that trend, um, telehealth is not going going away by any means. Um, I do think that uh, there are some aspects of what we've seen as far as kind of the relaxing of, of some of the rules and stuff around telehealth that some will stick around, some some won't. But if I had to pick kind of one headwind that is still needs to be answered. And, and you hear this from, at least in the United States, uh, around the, the, the payers is, is it's going to cost more, um, you know, so, you know, for the, for the payer. So you're seeing, you know, more access. And, and um, so I, you know, while I think some of the, uh, like, you know, physical therapists being providers uh, under developing, a lot of that will stick around, but I do question reimbursement parity within person. I, I don't know if that that'll that'll stay, um, you know. So I think I think there's some there are some 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 questions around uh, telehealth. And is telehealth is it is it preventing you know some in-person care that has to you know in-person people therapy that has to happen? And you know is that being um, delayed or or avoided all, all altogether? So uh, I think we'll hopefully we'll hit a little bit of a pause after. COVID and go back and people like uh, our colleagues like Alan and Trevor, hopefully our, our academic friends are ready to study this and see, okay, what, where was telehealth really most effective and where, where was it, you know, where was it not? And, and hopefully, you know, give us some guidance on 
All right, let's get into where the puck is. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Uh, some some predictions, some of you think in the future will stick around. Um, well, it, it's hard to predict, but I, I think that we're going to see a few different things. One is the term telehealth, I believe, is going to evolve towards digital health or some other type of term, and that's going to allow for that you know technological growth and the diversity that we're already seeing in you know, how you can apply technology in practice. I, I think the other thing, I agree totally with um, Mike, I, I do think that um, at least in our traditional system, reimbursement is gonna uh, come back a ways from where it has been in COVID. And I actually think there's some evidence out there to suggest that that's gonna hit the rehab professions, um, obviously including physical therapy, harder than it's gonna hit medical services because of the perception of in-person care. And there may be some other factors there too, like that, you know, we just, as rehab professions, didn't do the same kinds of volumes that PCPs and specialists did, you know, through the COVID time. I also think that we're going to see an evolution of these hybrid models of care start to really explode. And, and we talked before about, I mentioned that, that concept of the tipping point. I think that as value-based care becomes more than kind of the traditional revenue kind of CPT, CPT code-based care, um, that's where we'll start to really see an explosion and a growth in this. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Mike mentioned fall the money. And I know there's other professions like personal trainers or high performance sports coaches. I mean, I, I had a triathlon coach who was four or five states away and he was able to pre-COVID track, you know, my, my sleep schedule, my heart rate and my mileage, my performance, save all the money. I mean, I know some trainers making, you know, five figures a month training from around the world. So we're saying this is not actually a barrier to care. This could actually be a bridge to care. Uh, Trevor, you're up next with that crystal ball. What do you think is something that's going to stick around? What would you, what do we expect to see in the future? What can we predict? Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd agree with what the others have said. I think, you know, COVID, it w it'll drop off. There'll be a, a remnant that, that sticks around there. But the, the two things uh, that I'll comment on that I think will definitely change. One is education programs. I, yeah. I know all so many PT programs around the world now are scrambling to try and increase the content of this into their programs. Um, it's been a wake-up call that they've almost been caught um, not doing this. Uh, and and I think the regulators are, are sort of pushing for them to, uh, to include this in the programs now. So we will see more curriculum of this in, in an undergraduate and, and, and sort of graduate entry sense of uh, education programs. The second thing I think we'll see is a big uptick in the research in this space. There's been so many PhDs started on the back of, uh, of telehealth in COVID. Um, so there will be more and more research that's, that's delivered. What's yet to be seen, I think, is if those two things have a, a tangible impact on practice downstream, um, I think it will. But but I think it'll be it'll be at a modest level at least initially, and um, and because we ha we do need to get all of those other things sorted out, the reimbursement models and and all of that needs to be in place um, before this really uh, accelerates. Yeah, practice guys talk about practice, research guys talk about research. Alan, what are you yeah. going to talk about? Look into the crystal ball. What do you think? Sure. I think I agree with this esteemed panel and my colleagues. Uh, I do know a few things. 
Uh, I think that we will be drinking with you, Jimmy, and others like this in person. That I know that will happen. So there's hope for that. I know that we have a vaccine, and I know that we will have a president. But in terms of telehealth, uh, just to elaborate a little further, I think we will have educational curriculum, like Trevor said very kindly, so our pants is not caught down in terms of uh, not, not knowing what to do, when to do, and how to do it uh, with best practice. So I think that's going to happen in medicine and in rehab, where we'll have um, what we call professional activities, EPAs, Entrustable Professional Activities, and Competencies, which I think is already going to be developed out in research. Uh, I think, as you mentioned earlier, Jimmy, we are going to have to think about encroachment of practice of not only potential risky practitioner in physical therapy who may have issues with their license or potentially have lost their license being online with patients and clients, but also, as you mentioned, personal trainers and others who may think physical therapy can be done online with their uh, potential non-license. So I think fraud and abuse could be another aspect of care that we need to make sure we educate our consumers and your dad and your, your uh, clients who are not so tech savvy, but also wanting an easy solution for physical therapy. And lastly, most importantly, to address workforce issues, I think we will have an opportunity with interstate compacts where we can reach other states. But you as a practitioner know what to do properly with state practice acts in all states. Uh, and not, not saying that one state will, one license, that home license will allow you to do telehealth in other states because there are gonna be specific guidelines and pair policies that you need to follow and be mindful of. And you can't just say from the OIG, I didn't know what to do. And right. I, I thought I was doing proper care. Yeah. I don't know is not an answer. And Chris alluded to this earlier. Make sure you check with your state uh, professional association, the APTA, because again, you know, I'm not sure is not an answer. I don't know. Um, you know, a couple of you guys mentioned in terms of rushing this through education, you know, a lot of times it takes a long time for somebody to get into PT education syllabus, but the more I'm hearing is this is this is being added on very, very quickly as it needs to be. Our producer, Juliet, who's working in the background, she was doing a clinical rotation in the middle of COVID and she went up teaching her CI and, and educating her CI because her 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 program had, had rushed it through and given them some updates. But CI was kind of caught like I, I I'm right in the same boat. But the student had really become the teacher in that fashion because she was in a program. So kudos to some of those programs out there. Julia was at AT still uh, for making sure this information was getting to their students. And then ultimately they were able to pass that stuff on. Um, anything I didn't ask? Anything that you guys didn't dig into that uh, under the under the, the the topic, which is pretty big, that pretty pretty big umbrella of telehealth that you, I didn't I didn't get to or you didn't, you wanted to talk about? I just want to congratulate Julia for helping her CI because I think this is a team sport. If you look at APTA, find the PT directory, you will see over five hundred practitioner and practices in APTA. Find the PT that that has a telehealth setting as their area of practice. So. Again, uh, you can watch one, you can help with one, but you eventually have to do one to really yep. do well in terms of this practice, as Trevor, Chris, and Mike had alluded to earlier. Julia, how was, how was that experience that I kind of alluded to? Yeah. You know, what setting was it and, and kind of how'd that come up? Yeah, I want to talk about it. Um, so it was my last one, outpatient and ortho, and they were trying to implement it. And one of the physical therapists there were, was kind of the one taking over the telehealth and I knew that physical therapist but my CI was unfamiliar with how to do telehealth and more of just uncomfortable 
being in front of that camera. So here I am, like, I want to get the full experience. I know that this is going to be big moving forward, especially with the rise of COVID. So I just joined in with this other physical therapist, um, just with the experience and teaching through video and things like that. And then I kind of passed my experience down to my CI and telling him um, just what I learned and things like that and moving forward, what he can do. Yeah. Just being comfortable with the tool. We've mentioned that. That's, that's a great case study in, Hey, someone was uncomfortable, skilled clinician, right? Able to provide great care was now having to deliver that care through an unfamiliar medium on the fly. Right. I mean, clinicians weren't getting days off to, to go and learn this, to, to go away to a weekend course and come back. Um, they were doing this on the fly and, uh, that's a good example of someone being uncomfortable, but kudos to you for, for jumping in and helping, the, uh, with that. I wanted to make sure we brought that up as well. Yeah. Uh, you guys ready to do the, uh, the parting shot. You guys ready for that opportunity? We're doing it anyway. Bring it on. Parting shot is brought to you by the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. You want to talk about independent study courses, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy, which is a great course to take before you're looking to invest in the OCS exam. We've got that available. Uh, Running athlete. They've got tissue tolerance, uh, upper quarter, lower quarter. So uh, about 30 independent study courses available now for you from the leaders in orthopedic physical therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. So we'll go in the same batting order we did before for your parting shot. Those unfamiliar, really your last chance for a mic drop moment, someone you'd want to leave as your last sentiment with the audience. We'll start with Alan. Alan, what's your parting shot today? You're up. Sure, Jimmy. Uh, Again, Again, thank you very much for this opportunity. I guess my parting shot would be everyone have patience. Uh, William Osler said you don't really get competence as well as really, I would say, insight until you're age 40, believe it or not. So understand that we're going to get back together, but you have to have patience through this COVID. Stay safe and be well. And I want to thank the panelists for joining us tonight. Be well, Jay. Happy birthday. No confidence until we're 40. I'm 41, so I'm on the other side of confidence. This is fantastic. Uh, Chris, parting shot, what do you want to leave with the audience tonight? So uh, I just want to say it's been an honor to be here. Um, this panel, are, you know, they're all uh, folks that I've looked up to for a number of years. And you know, I, I think my number one is continue to challenge the way that you do things. And, you know, always question, always uh, try to find the, the best solution, right? The most quality of care, but keep moving forward. You know, don't always assume that the original way that you learn something is the only way to do something. Challenge that status quo. I love that. Trevor, what do you got for your parting shot tonight? Great. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. It's, uh, it's been really great to, to do this again with you. I, I must admit it was perhaps better last time with that pint of beer in my hand, but uh, it's been fun and a little less um, and uh, it's been a great opportunity to, to talk with uh, with my great colleagues here about uh, telehealth. I'm, I'm going to be practical in my parting shot. Um, I, I want to tell people to not be afraid of this and to just say to embrace the similarities, but prepare for the differences. Uh, that's 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 the practical advice I can I can offer. And, uh, and I think if you do those two things, um, you know, it, it's not a scary thing to jump into. There it is. Practice makes perfect. Get those repetitions. All right, Mike, uh, last parting shot. What do you got for us tonight? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, 
feels like we've uh, this this group here are these uh, my peers are on on this panel and I've been talking about telehealth for years so it's it's uh, it's just wonderful to see to see the uptake um, you know these this past year um, but I, my last parting shot would be that I I do hope that uh, care is is taken to ensure that tele rehab is used to confront rather than exacerbate any you know healthcare unaffordability, unaffordability and inequity. Uh, that we have in the, in the U.S. Uh, that would be my Yeah, getting access to care. Let's make sure. And, I, and I've got that on my, on my wall, right? Nobody wins yeah. unless everybody wins. So how can we utilize this and use this as a bridge to compound a couple different issues that are pretty prevalent in the world today, right, in, in terms of inequality? So let's do that. Uh, gentlemen, want to say thank you so much for this. Do not think it'll be the last time we talk about this. As we do all the things that you said in your parting shot, right? Embrace it. Look for the similarities and differences. How can we help people? How can we use this to help more people? When we focus on that as clinicians, I don't think we can miss. So I uh, want to thank you guys for your time and hope we get to talk again soon. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right, show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you. I love you, love you, love you. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.